Welcome to the River Downstream. Here are a couple announcements this week about what is happening with us at the river. On June 24th, Youth Rise is having their year-end barbecue, and we have committed to helping them. If you would like to volunteer for this event, please contact Karen Track. Otherwise, come on down to enjoy the afternoon with us. It's also the second Sunday of the month next week, which means our monthly Potluck Sunday. The theme, because we are talking about the goodness of church, is comforting foods, the ones that make us feel good. So make sure to bring your items to share so we can share in a meal together next week. The children put on an excellent performance last week to the song, The Earth is Yours. And unfortunately, we can't share it here, but we encourage you to go listen to the song after this episode. Here is Melissa Hillary with an update from our Zambia partners. Morning, everybody. I just wanted to give us a little bit of an update on our Zambia fundraising. If you remember our partnership, we have to send funds by the end of June for the next year's commitment. So we are already at about $11,000 of $20,000. So thank you to everybody who's given so far. Um, and just uh, if you haven't been able to give and you still want to, just please make sure you indicate Zambia Partnership on your giving so it gets to the right account. And I'll keep updating you every week in Currents as we uh, hopefully get closer to our goal. And then just for fun, we have a bit of an update from the field. They sent us a video this week. So as a reminder from ooh, Dale's slide that I'm standing in the middle of, this was the demo plot that they showed us when we were there in January, how they were trying to grow new foods in different ways. And now our agricultural worker, Penny, has sent us a video. So please enjoy. And if anybody needs to know what he said afterwards, you can come and ask me. Hi, my name is Penny Aspiri the Agricultural Field Officer here at Mazimoyo Center in Zambia. And we are standing on the demo site, a demo plot that we use to um, guide farmers on how best they can help themselves develop their livelihoods through agriculture. And so what you're seeing here is uh, the use of local resources to manage our production of tomatoes. So this is a variety called Newton. And uh, this was uh, planted on the 5th of February and we have already started harvesting off it. And um, on my left here are a number of vegetables uh, which have been um, sold out to the local community and um, a lot of people are benefiting. So we are trying by all means to use this as an example. I, uh, my role is just to guide farmers on uh, the possibilities around agriculture and that uh, there's a lot we can achieve through it. And so we are excited that uh, we've had the team from the US and Canada. Thank you so much for coming through. And uh, what you are seeing right now is that the result of the work that you people have been doing. So we are excited and thankful for your help. So thank you so much. We look forward to working more with you. Thank you. We are so excited to hear what they've been doing with the funds we send them each year. Just a reminder that we are sending $20,500 at the end of June, so please get those donations in. If you do use e-transfer, make sure to add in the message portion what they're for and if you're allocating them to the Zambia fundraiser. Finally, Pastor Michelle Cool is back to teach us how a Tove church nurtures grace. On to the message. Thank you, friends, for welcoming here 
welcoming me here again today. <laughs> I am loving being with you, and I know that our Covenant Church family is also loving to have Pastor Dale with them. Together we've been learning to be a Tove church, that is a church that reflects the goodness of God. And so far we have focused on being a faith community that nurtures empathy, that proclaims God's truth, and also that sees each other through spirit-filled eyes. Well, this morning, we're going to focus on becoming a grace-filled community of active blessing as God actively blesses us. God's gov uh, goodness is summed up in one word today, and that's grace. So we're going to read a well-known parable that Jesus told to a crowd of people. They were a mixed bunch that surrounded him. There were some tax collectors and some of those that they would label as sinners who were standing nice and close to Jesus, and I'm sure they were quite thrilled to be there. And there were also some Pharisees and some teachers of the law who were criticizing Jesus' hospitality and his welcome of those who, in their eyes, obviously needed to do some soul-searching for some better life choices. The beginning of Luke 15 sets the stage. The teachers and the Pharisees uh, muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then we're going to pick up the story, Luke 15, verse 11, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that those pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your, one of your sons. So make me like a hired servant. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he called, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. 
But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we look at the parable, we get this picture of what God's grace is, what his active blessing looks like. It is a love that risks it all. Risky love blesses with good gifts, regardless of how those gifts are received or used, or even when that blessing doesn't yield harmony and the unity that it ought to. This is the story of a good father whose love takes every risk, a love that gives it all, shares everything he has. And we see the cost of this risky love. The goodness of the father gives a blessing of inheritance, liquidating his own assets so the younger son can take off with what he thinks he's entitled to. The goodness of the father doesn't argue, doesn't blame, doesn't give a guilt trip, even though asking for that money is akin to saying, I wish you were dead. The goodness of the father gives the blessing of space for the son to do what he wants with that inheritance. He blesses his son with the freedom to choose. And the father sees the son squander that inheritance and choose a horrible life, choose freeloaders and parasites who took advantage of him and cared nothing for him, The son chose a life over the life of love, of welcome, where he was celebrated, where he was respected, where family cared for him, and he had a place and a purpose and identity. He had a name. The son chose those who took what they could from him and left him with nothing to starve over a father who had given him anything and everything always. The the father blesses the son by honoring his choices, and he gives them the dignity of true freedom of his own will with no obligation, no expectation, no blame, no guilt. The son takes on those things all on his own. The father blesses with constant watchfulness, with eager anticipation of the son's return, watching and waiting and wanting, the father blesses with a love that perseveres, doesn't harden into bitterness, and isn't angry the longer the son is away. The father blesses with hospitality, with this true open-armed welcome, and then he blesses with the best of all he has left, the best robe, which would have been his own, a ring on his finger, which is the mark of authority, which would also have been the father's. And then a celebration, a huge feast, and everyone was invited to be blessed in the togetherness that the father and his welcome has brought. So notice in all this that despite the son's repeated selfishness, his persistent stubbornness, his willfulness, his, his lack of shame, the father continued to bless because he loved so much. He risked it all 
all he had freely given to his son, and all his love remained on his son. His whole heart was filled with love for a son that rejected him completely. See, Jesus is telling us a story not of a prodigal son, but of a prodigal father. See, prodigal means extravagant, but it also means risk-taking. It also means reckless. It's the father who is the biggest risk-taker of all. Let's look at the characters again. Both sons reject this father. They are both inherently selfish. The younger son, more obviously, he shamelessly was entitled and he took this inheritance that he only assumed would be his own and then made choices for a life that he assumed would be better than the one he'd left behind. And of course, to those gathered around Jesus that day, you can just imagine those tax collectors and sinners were feeling a little uncomfortable as everyone pointing at them, saying, yeah, it's probably you, younger sons. But the elder son's less obvious. This is the good boy. Didn't rock the boat, met expectations, towed the line. One commentator called the elder son the never lost. Oh, I like that. If the Pharisees were paying attention, and I think that they were, they would see themselves as the never lost. And this is a harsh word for them. Never broke the law, never forgot to confess, never forgot spiritual practices and habits required, and also never looked hard and long enough to notice their own lovelessness. Oh yes, this is harsh. For Jesus shows it's, God, it's those who know God's will and live God's way as rule followers, checking off boxes to measure up so that they would be respected in this life and, and then granted eternal life as pure ones in the next, these are the ones who had no blessings to give. The never lost who do faith right, but they're nothing like their father. There's no persistent hope. There's no joyful welcome. There's no risk-it-all love from the never lost. And Jesus shows the elder son to be angry and refusing fellowship, judgmental, hard-hearted. The elder son wouldn't hear repentance. He had no room to share with his younger brother, the younger one who depleted that family business and left him holding the bag. This elder son most certainly did not join his dad in waiting and watching and hoping for that fool of a younger brother to come back. And when he did, there was nothing to celebrate for an elder son. See, the story shows the most blessed gift given by the Father's extravagant love is the grace of forgiveness, of sins washed away in what we just celebrated in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, just like that feast thrown by a father for his wayward son. God throws us a feast, and he welcomes us as his children because we're washed clean by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the full forgiveness, and we're enfolded again into the family of God sons and daughters of the Most High, the Almighty, who we call Dad. You know, in the Old Testament, we get introduced to the God who is compassionate and forgiving, extravagant in his love, the one whose anger doesn't last forever, but he throws our sins as far as east is from west. He created and it was good. And then found in his creatures made in his image that they chose a path that would reject him, and they clothed themselves in shame and exposed themselves to guilt. And he covered them with his love. 
And he taught them how to find life again and showed them the way to love after they twisted love to meet their own ends. And he chased them when they ran away and he rescued them when they became enslaved and he disciplined them when they were wayward. Over and over again, the Old Testament shows us this God who binds himself in a love that risks it all to a rejecting and rebellious and selfish people. This God whose love heals and forgives and restores and redeems and renews, unyielding and never failing and risking it all. And then unfolding more visibly, manifesting grace more fully in the New Testament as it bursts with God's ultimate grace where God himself comes closer to us so that we could experience grace in these full-bodied ways. Jesus, the incarnate God, came to enact grace for us so that we would know the extraordinary in the ordinary. For Jesus is God's grace his living grace, and his forgiveness is restorative grace, pulling us back into relationship just as that wayward son was welcomed, even aggressively pulled back. You are mine, God says. All I have is yours, so come and be clothed with my very best. I give you my authority to govern and care for all I have made. Come, I give you the very blessing of being righteous and holy and clean. Be fully clothed with my blessing. Be enfolded into my community. Come and live with me. Come and be part of my life and celebrate with me. Do you see Jesus standing between two sons? One who says he's wayward. They understand themselves to be those who are the, the sinners. And the other, like the elder son, the never lost, hard-hearted. And Jesus standing between them saying, come, celebrate life with me. You know, we sing of this forgiveness. Amazing grace, the most well-known and most well-loved hymn, even by those who hate hymns. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you can just hear the younger son singing the next line. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. We love this hymn because it reminds us of what the Lord's Supper reminds us of. The salvation work of Christ. Our own sins nailed to the cross. Debts paid. Relationships healed and restored. And life is ours even death isn't our enemy anymore, for the grave could not hold the Lord of life. And we proclaim it with all joy. Christ is risen. But too often we stop right there, as if that's the end of the story. As if our faith story ends with, I was wretched and steeped in sin and deceived by my own selfishness to choose a life that led to my own demise. And then I met Jesus, and I was blessed with forgiveness, and I'm clean and holy, and now I'm God's child. Yes, it's all true, but that's the opening of grace. That's the opening of a life filled with blessing, a life steeped in grace that receives all the blessings of a risky love, a risky divine love. Now, to become a community of active blessings, a community of God's grace, the requirement is not to do more spiritual practices. It is not to check the boxes for righteousness. Friends, it's not even to read the Bible more. 
The requirement is to experience God's grace for ourselves, to pay attention to the extraordinary happening in our ordinary, to notice where God is actively blessing us day after day in everything, every way, all the time. And once we've received the grace of salvation in Jesus Christ alone, the only way to describe our life in Christ is this. It's all grace. All of it. From the food on our table to the clothes on our backs, the abundance of our stuff to put away and clean and organize and mow. When we get in the car and we go and get gas, we think it's all grace. When we buy groceries and we have the money to pay, we say, it's all grace. When we get to do our homework from school, we say, it's all grace. (laughs) When we've had a bad day at work, we come home and we say, it's all grace. God's active blessing for me now. Practice paying attention to the active blessings of God in our ordinary so that no matter what happens, we say it's all grace. So like the Apostle Paul, we begin to say things like this, whether I live or die, I can't choose. To live here means blessing with all of us on earth. To die means to be with the eternal family and see Christ face to face. Blessing and blessing, I don't know what to choose. Who says that? Life so wonderful, so filled with blessing, so eternal that we can't even choose what would be better. It's all grace. Now, what would that change for us if we were to notice and get good at noticing and receiving the active blessings of God? How would that transform us to become this faith community that celebrates life together to be a grace-filled family of God that actively blesses others so that they begin to notice the extraordinary in their ordinary. And then they receive the extravagant love of God as we have. It will take a risky love, a love willing to risk it all. It'll take us loving others enough to give everything willing to bear the suffering of rejection even at the deepest levels. It'll take a love that dances on the razor edge of hope, persevering with eager anticipation that relationships will be restored, watchful and patient, a love that's freely given, a love that allows us to fail, a love that welcomes with open-hearted hospitality and gently enfolds, kindly receives patiently endures, joyfully celebrates a love that brings peace. When we pay attention to that kind of active blessing of God in ourselves, then we can actively bless others with freedom, true freedom, to choose, to know what is this life. It's all grace. And that's the challenge of the parable living in the grace of God to transform us to become a Tove community that actively blesses others. Because there's a question that hangs at the end of Jesus' story. Did you notice that he didn't really wrap it up with a nice happy ending? We don't know if the elder son relented. We don't know if he joined the celebration. We don't know if this dysfunctional family found unity again and found community with each other again. The end of the story is the father standing, pleading between two sons, 
one wastrel who was humbled, and the never lost who was too proud to notice his own unloving heart. What will it take to be reconciled? It's the active blessing of God that he stands with us pleading our case, but pleading with us too to be reconciled with each other. It's all grace. So what will it take for us to become that kind of people who celebrate, who find life with Christ, blessing upon blessing, so that it transforms us to be a celebration, joyful people? bringing that sort of celebration and thankfulness to every situation, even into sufferings. The active blessings of enjoying each other's company, making room in our lives for each other, of sharing hurts, of frustrations and sorrows, and finding a safe place with each other. An active blessing of being a people who care, who will walk together, who will hold each other, who will be there for each other. Actively blessing each other, to grow up in Christ, even to study the Bible together and discover again, it's all grace. Who will hear our story and point out to us, it's all grace. Who celebrates new life together and walks through the end of life together and celebrates together, it's all grace. Receiving the gifts of God together and the gift of each other and then sharing those gifts with others, giving and working for the common good, receiving, giving, giving, receiving, blessing upon blessing upon blessing. This is our common life. So what active blessings do you need to notice in your ordinary? Because when the active blessings of God are first and foremost on our minds, then grace is the lens that we begin to look through, and it'll transform how we see the world. It'll transform how we see each other and how we tell our stories. It's going to transform us to be this hospitality, this welcoming, this celebratory, joyful people, no matter what we're facing, because God's love risked it all for us. So living in the salvation of God is more than a sweet, amazing grace forgiving wretches like us. It's also living in a new creation life that's filled with the active blessings of God. The audacious love of God risked everything to bring us life, to bring his life for us. And so receiving this, we're called to go and live a risky love. And our neighbors will know this good God that we call Father because we actively bless. It's all grace, friends. It's all grace. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, it wasn't that long ago that we were not even allowed to worship together, and when we were in bigger groups, we were afraid. It's not that long ago, Father, that many of us pastors stood in empty rooms and preached just to a video. And now, Lord, we hear life. We hear busy kids. We hear each other sing. We pray together. Oh God, what blessing. Father, every day you give us so much. Teach us to be thankful. Show us the grace that you give in every day. And also, Lord, soften our hearts that we would be a community that loves each other well, so well, that others will look and wonder, why do we celebrate? 
That's because of you, Jesus. So we thank and praise you for all that you are and for giving us this life that's filled with your grace. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this recording. Just a reminder that you can find our website at rivercommunity.ca. There you can find our events calendar with information about upcoming messages and gatherings, or sign up for currents. Feel free to send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Our services start 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, and you are welcome to come early for coffee, tea, and bagels. Have a great week. Bye-bye.